Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. They say it was around midnight. Jesus and his disciples walked to a garden for a prayer meeting. Some might say it was a prayer meeting gone bad. But it started nice. Before they left the upper room, um, Mark says that they sang the hymn, the hymn. It was the hymn that ended the liturgy for the Passover meal that they had just been sharing together. It's called a halal, which means praise. So they, they sang a hymn of praise together. A prayer meeting should begin with praise. The psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So as we follow Jesus into this prayer meeting, what are the prayers of gratitude that we pray today? As I thought about this scene, this prayer meeting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I thought about the things that I'm grateful for, one of my first thoughts was just remembering my life of faith and my journey with my parents and I remember being in the uh, back pew at uh, Martin's Chapel United Methodist Church and really all of the United Methodist churches uh, where I was a kid sitting in the back pew. Uh, back in those days there was the Cokesbury Worship Hymnal. A lot of you know this hymnal and you even own one and you could probably grab it right now. Uh, one of my favorite songs, because we sang it all the time, uh, was called In the Garden. I've been singing this song since I was a little kid. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And then the chorus is, He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. And then He speaks and the sound of His voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And then you sing the chorus. He's walking with me. He's talking with me. He's claiming me. And then the last verse, it kind of like is what happens in these prayers of gratitude and in, in these intimate times with God. Like We don't want to leave. And yet, this verse is kind of a, an ominous forewarning to this prayer meeting that we're following Jesus into. I'd stay in the garden with him though the night around me be falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. So, I, I think about the things I'm grateful for. And that's not a hard thing to do in the, in the sweet times, you know. But the times aren't always sweet. And this discipline of praying prayers of gratitude, uh, it carries us a long way. 
Matthew Henry, a scholar, preacher, he had a, a discipline, uh, praying prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving at the end of each day, and he would write them in his journal. One day he was robbed. At the end of that day, he cried out to God and he said, God, I, I thank you that the robber took my purse and not my life. Next he said, God, I'm, I'm thankful that there wasn't a whole lot in my purse to begin with. And the last thing that he said was, God, I thank you that I was the one robbed and not the robber. So, Jesus takes them into the Garden of Gethsemane and the prayer meeting becomes kind of intense. Uh, it's not the early morning variety, you know, like where I'm in my pajamas with my cup of coffee, um, gently praying and calmly reading the scriptures. No, it was a bit more urgent, and I imagine they were all feeling it. it probably resembled something more like those soldiers in the trenches uh, who were crying out to, the, to God on the eve of battle, or um, those distraught uh, circle of friends praying at 2 a.m. in the emergency room. It was, it was probably that kind of a, of a prayer meeting. His prayer, Jesus' prayer, was, was a prayer of desperation. He cries out to God and says, remove this cup from me, which just simply means, I, I don't want to do this. It's uh, interesting to see Jesus' emotions here. Uh, Catherine Klontz wrote um, on this text in our uh, Lenten devotional booklet. So, so you, uh, you read, Catherine, uh, asked this question in reference to Jesus' disciples uh, betraying him. Like, was he angry? Was he sad? Was he disappointed? Well, yeah. I mean, Mark says so in, in the text. He says, you know, Jesus was, was agitated and uh, he was distressed and he even says to the, the disciples, you know, he carries Peter, James, and John with him farther into the garden um, and he says, I, I am deeply grieved uh, even un, unto death. And so when you think about like, well, why was he s such a wreck? Because Jesus was a wreck. Um, Luke tells the story and, and in, in Luke's version, which may have been an added note later, but that Jesus was so stressed out that his sweat was like great drops of blood. Like it was, it was agony. Well, because you, you know, he knew that everybody was going to leave him, that he was going to be left alone. He also knew what the Romans could and would do to him. It was horrible. But Jesus, but Jesus knows God, and we, we see that in his prayer. He falls onto the ground and, and he prays, Abba, Father. Like Jesus knows that God uh, is an, an intimate God. You know, kind of like the, the song that I remember from childhood. Like, God walks with me. Um, God calls me by name. It's, it's so intimate and so beautiful that I don't ever want to leave. And he also acknowledges God's power. You know, not only is God daddy, but uh, all things are possible with God. 
And so there's also this subtle reminder, like, I know, Daddy, that you can do anything. And so, so that's when he prays his prayer for salvation. Save me from this. I don't want to go here. But Jesus' prayer was more than a prayer of desperation. It was a prayer of surrender. Not what I want, but what you want. It reminds me of what one of my mentors uh, said about uh, surrendering. Is it's like the prayer is like this: Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now, now, what was the question? It's this this premeditated commitment to God, and and to God's will. And so we enter into this prayer meeting with Jesus, and and I wonder. Um, where is God asking me to surrender? What things do I need to uh, relinquish? Where do I need to loosen my grip? To let go and let God, some people say. Well, this is the thing that gets to us sometimes. God says no to Jesus. It's helpful for me to, to remember this when my prayer requests don't shake out the way that I want them to or the way that I'm, I have asked them to. God says no, and God says no to Jesus. I think about the prayers that I've prayed where the answer hasn't been what I asked for or maybe where God doesn't seem to answer at all. And I wonder what those are for you. You know God said no to Paul. Paul's life was a mess. He was in so much trouble. One time there was this thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. But three times Paul asked God to remove this thorn in his flesh. Three times, God says no. And you know what God's response to him was? My grace is sufficient for you. So, Jesus is having this little prayer meeting. And he's asked the disciples to pray too. Um, he tells them, you need to keep awake and stay alert and watch. Watch and pray. Pray that you won't come to the time of trial. Um, it, the Greek there is also temptation. You need to be praying so um, that you're not tested, uh, so that you're not tempted. Um, but you know, we get a very clear picture of Jesus as like he's in a mess right now with, with all of his emotions and all that he's got to be feeling, but the disciples are a mess too. You know, they're also afraid and they're confused. And, and don't you know they're disappointed? Like, they've got to be thinking, you know, this is not the way that it was supposed to go down. We were supposed to be sitting at the table with the new king. The last supper was supposed to be the first supper. And now look at them. Well, Jesus tells them, kind of warns them, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and Paul wrote about that kind of thing too, you know, he's like, he's frustrated because like the very thing that I want to do, I can't do it. The thing that I don't want to do, that's the thing that I do. Like, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak.
So, Peter has made these promises, and I suppose all the disciples had, but, but Peter's were, were pointed out. Jesus praises him because Jesus underst- uh, Peter understands who Jesus is, and, and, and Jesus even acknowledges, like, you didn't come up with this on your own. Uh, God revealed to you this conviction Peter had that Jesus truly was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God, and so, so Jesus renames him. Uh, and, and instead of calling him Simon, he's Peter, which is, which is the rock. And you, on this rock, I'll build my church. You remember that story. Well, Peter not only proclaims who Jesus is, but he also, like, pledges his loyalty. I will not fall away from you. I will not deny you. Like, I will, I will die for you. And he can't even stay awake. So he's, he's already falling away. He's already failing. And it's very interesting, don't you think, that when Jesus comes back and finds them sleeping, that he calls Peter out, and he doesn't call him Peter the Rock. He calls him Simon. He calls him by his old name. Could you not even hang with me for an hour? Could you not even stay awake and pray for an hour? Peter fails but they all fail, and, and, and we do too. We know about that. We know about the agony that they were feeling when we really disappoint uh, someone and fail someone. As we enter into this prayer meeting in this garden, what are the ways that we've betrayed God? Those ways we know that God is disappointed with us with not only the the things that we've done, failing to do the promises that we've we've made God, but maybe the things we haven't done. Our inability to surrender to God's will, choosing our will, choosing our path, staying in our comfort zone. What are the ways that we've betrayed a friend? Or maybe even betrayed ourselves. And so we pray prayers of confession. Uh, Michelangelo, in the 1500s, he spent five years uh, painting the the scenes um, of, of the Garden of Eden, um, of Noah and the Flood on, on the Sistine Chapel in Rome. Um, it, it took him five years. He laid on his back uh, for five years and did this amazing piece of work. But, but the beauty of it began to fade almost immediately. Uh, w- within a century of his work, no one could remember um, what, what his frescoes actually looked like. Uh, in 1936, a painter called Biagio Biaghetti said, we see the colors of the Sistine Chapel as if through smoked glass. Well, in 1981, they erected a, a scaffolding to clean the frescoes, the frescoes that, were, that were in the chapel. And uh, the, the two artists, had this special solution, and uh, they like 
a tiny little corner, they worked this special solution on Michelangelo's work, and then they invited, um, you know, the art community to come in, the experts to come in, and they were amazed. Uh, it was it was stunning. No one could imagine uh, what the centuries of grime uh, could have done to such uh, vibrant colors. Like it really came to life. And so what happened was, what they discovered when, when the solution uncovered the grime was that the, the, the Michael, Michelangelo known by art critics, the, the one who was um, heralded as the, the, the painter who, whose paintings were more like sculptures than, than they were painting, this, that this, this new artist, this new Michelangelo, like he was a master of color, azure, uh, green, rose, lavender. So uh, the, the restoration process, uh, the, success of, the success of that little first part um, led to like almost 10 years uh, of these two guys uh, restoring the Sistine Chapel. It took almost twice as long to clean the work uh, than it did for Michelangelo to actually paint it. Uh, but the result was breathtaking. And many of, many of you have, have seen it. Uh, for the first time in nearly 500 years, people viewed the masterpiece the way that the, the painter intended in all of its color and vibrancy and beauty. You know, when I pray prayers of confession, when I pray prayers of surrender, I'm surrendering to God's mercy and to God's grace. And God restores me. And God empowers me to become the creature that God intended me to be all along. And as we come to this table today, we come clinging to that hope. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, 
God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. Thanks be to God. Amen. 